Thanks for being here. And I did not notice it happening, but when I came out of the house, I saw there was moisture on the ground. Was there some snow or just rain? Or anybody know? <laughs> you, what's that? Just the flood? What'd you say? <laughs> we are in Genesis this evening. We're going to be in chapter number four. I'm sorry, seven. Verse four. Where we'll start. Once again, had a good afternoon class. I'm so glad that you're here tonight so that we can uh, double the fun, so to speak. Let me just read uh, verse 4, and then we'll pray, and we'll begin our study. Chapter 7, Genesis, verse 4. For yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Obviously a very solemn time, so let's have a prayer and we'll ask God to meet with us. Thank you, dear Lord, for your love and thank you for your blessing. And thank you that we can call upon you to lead us and guide us. We ask for your wisdom now, your mind. Thank you for this amazing book. And though none of us were there at creation, we so appreciate the snapshots you give us, and I pray that you will quicken our minds and help us to understand what you'd have for us. For we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. This is amazing how it starts. Seven days, and I'll cause it to rain. Of course, this is not his first warning. He had told them 120 years before this was going to happen. Now, it's at the very brink. And God comes back to Noah, after Noah's been out there preaching righteousness, building on this ark for many, many years, and seven days before the flood begins, he gives a warning. There's your first blank. Letter C, a seven-day warning. Seven days is going to start. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for Noah to be working out there 120 years, building this ark, finally to have it completed, and for God to show up once again and to tell him, seven days, Noah, in just seven days, it's all going to start. Number one is a final warning to finish preparations. A final warning. God warned Noah that he had but seven days to finish his work and be on the ark. But because God is all-knowing, he knew exactly how much time Noah needed. He knew exactly to the second, to the millisecond when it was, so he knew that he was giving Noah plenty of time. He wasn't worried for Noah, and Noah did not need to work worry because he was in God's will, had been working all along. The ark's done. It's not like he has to uh, add one side to the ark. The ark is pretty much done. It's just a matter of putting the stuffs inside the ark. And so when God said, you got seven days, Noah was ready for it. Number two, all animal life would be destroyed. All animal life would be destroyed. The flood would destroy all animal life. Here, it's written every living substance. But tonight, we're going to see it over and over again that God refers to animal life and specific kinds of animal life. He wants to convey to us the fact that it really happened. And that wasn't like some believe today, just a partial flood, just part of the earth was covered. The entire earth was covered and all animal life was destroyed. And he reiterates this over and over again in Genesis 8, 11. 
it says, And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. Every living substance, however, most sea life would be spared, along with some plant life like trees. You say, how do we know some trees made it? Well, because of this bird that Noah sent out. He sent out, it came back with, 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 a, with, a, uh, with a leaf in his beak. Now, either when the floods abated, that olive tree grew very, very quickly and put out leaves, or it weathered the flood. And my guess is it weathered the flood, and when the, when the water got down low enough below that, that bird was able to take and bring it back. Number three. Here we have a last chance to repent. A last chance to repent. God gave mankind seven more days to repent and turn to him for salvation. Here's your first quiz question. How many of them repented? Not one. Not one. We don't know. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes here. We don't know how many people were on the earth. But what we do know is not one of them repented. Even though God had given plenty of warning, 100 years of warning, 100 years of Noah out there saying, God's going to judge the earth. God's going to do it. And now they've got this object lesson out there, this massive, over 500-foot-long ark. It's this huge, huge reminder that the judgment is coming. But because they chose not to believe, they ignored it. They could have repented. Out of God's mercy, they could have repented. Letter D. Noah's bold obedience by faith. Verse 5. And Noah did according to, unto all that the Lord commanded him. Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Number one there, Noah was... 600 years old when the flood began. Verse 6, And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Well, that's, that's, that's an old man until you understand that 600 was middle-aged. When you're looking at somebody like Adam and Methuselah living the 900s, this 600 is just, he's just getting started. 600 years old, and for the last 120 years or so, he's been building this massive ark. He's in great shape. He and his sons did the work on it. It's incredible. On that letter A, six is a significant number spiritually, scripturally. Six. The number six is often considered a scriptural symbol of suffering. The sixth seal of revelation introduces intense judgments of affliction. Noah's 600 years is mentioned on purpose to indicate the importance of this judgment upon all mankind. Revelation 6.12 says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Letter B. Noah's age helps date the flood. It's believed by tracing the years of life of the patriarchs. According to Institute for Creation Research, a man named Brian Thomas, 
The flood occurred in 2472 B.C. 2472 B.C. Number two. Noah and his family entered the ark. Quiz question number two. What would have happened if Noah and his family did not enter the ark? Wouldn't be here. They wouldn't have made it, and you and I wouldn't be here today. The only living humans on earth after the flood was Noah and his family, eight souls. Had they not gone into the door and had the door shut behind them, they would not have survived. Humanity would have been completely destroyed. It's worth noting that though God had stressed the importance of repopulating the earth, each of Noah's sons had only one wife. The example of Adam and Eve was still apparently prominent, at least to this godly family. 2 Peter 2.5 says, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. I found that interesting. Once I read that and thought about that, I found that interesting. Wouldn't it have been repopulated more quickly if each of Noah's sons had more than one wife? What if they had a dozen wives? Can you imagine how much more quickly the earth would have been populated? What, what, what was God thinking? Why didn't he think of that? <laughs> Could it be that God's intent was for man to have one wife, as was the case with Adam and Eve? Number three. <laughs> Representatives from all animal families entered the ark. Representatives, verse 8 and 9, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and of fowls, everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. God had commanded Noah, however, the selected animals and birds all came obediently as well. You understand? Noah did not have to go hunt the animals. According to the Bible, they came to him. Oh, that cut off so much time. Can you imagine the time it would take to hunt down every animal of all different kinds? They all came to him. I hope we get to see the replay of that in heaven. Can you imagine with all the animals converging there on the ark, the sky full of birds coming in, the, the land creatures, if you had an aerial view, all converging there, all these different kinds of animals, that would have been incredible to see. Number six, a sentence executed. Verse 10, and it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. The judge may hand down the verdict but until that person actually either goes to prison or is, is killed or whatever, that's when the sentence is executed. 
when they actually are fulfilling what the judge said would be their sentence. There was a sentence placed upon the earth by God. Letter A, earth's final week of opportunity. God had given the people of the earth 120 years of warning. Judgment's coming. He even gave them a visual reminder, we told you, of the ark itself. The years passed until only seven days remained. During those seven days, the people on earth could have repented. But likely, they only intensified in their mocking and their wicked, godless lifestyles. After God's seven-day warning, he began to flood the earth as he said. God is always true and always follows through on what he says. God said, in seven days. So after seven days, it began. But what's so interesting is the warnings that God gave along the way. So 120 years before, God gave a prophecy this was going to happen, a warning. During those 120 years, Noah is preaching righteousness. He's preaching judgment's coming in 120 years. God gave them ample warning, and still they, they refused to believe. Letter B. A week of loading the ark. Apparently, Noah and his family began loading animals onto the ark immediately after God's warning. It would undoubtedly have taken several days to get all the animals on board. Much of the food supplies probably were already on the ark, especially the non-perishable food supplies. There could have been a plant nursery being tended daily, and non-perishable grains could have been stored in containers waiting to be used. Luke 17, 27, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all, which, which suggests that life was going along as normal. There were marriages going on, there were parties, birthday parties, People going to, kids were going to school, life was going as normal, no big deal. For them, they saw no difference whatsoever. And we believe, at least many believe, that it had not even rained up until that time. So life was just going along as normal. What reason do they have to believe anything is going to change? Oh, there's that crazy Noah, but everybody knows he's just a nutcase. And he's been spending the last 120 years building that monstrosity. Can you imagine? It's even blocking our view of the mountains. Can you believe what that is? They had plenty of opportunities, kind of like today. As I think about the warnings people have today, as I think about going back when I was in high school and I heard for the first time the warnings of the second coming and heard preachers start preaching about the second coming, and I... Uh, my, I heard for the first time then, that had been going on before that, but my, my training was first when I was in high school of second coming. And, and back then, we're talking about <laughs> 70s, back then they were starting to promote a book that the Lord was coming back in 1980. So it got people thinking about this. And it was a big deal. Much of the world was hearing this, and it was very popular on news reports and, and of course, book sales. The Lord is coming back. The end of the world's coming. And yet most of the populace yawned 
at it, kind of like we do today. Letter C, the flood's precise date recorded. Verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all of the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. It's almost like God wanted to document the exact day. He wanted us to be able to look back and say, we can trace it back to the exact day the flood happened. Letter D. Two devastating aspects to the flood. There are two catastrophic events mentioned here at the outset of the flood. When it happened, the fountains of the great deep were broken up, it says, and the windows of heaven were opened. It has been speculated that once the heavens began releasing their great stores of water upon the earth's surface, the immense weight caused the earth's surface to buckle in places, releasing the great stores of water beneath, perhaps there under great pressure. The great ocean depths were dredged and enormous mountains rose from the pressure being exerted from both above and beneath the earth's surface. We'll talk more about it, but there's no way for us to comprehend the cataclysmic powers that were being unleashed on this planet during this time. Massive, massive tidal waves were, were going. These earthquakes shaking the entire earth. It was an incredible, incredible event. Letter E was 40 days of intense rain. <laughs> Mike's here from Illinois. I come from Illinois. Out here, if we get a day of rain, I mean, all day long, if it rains all day long, it is very abnormal. It's not normal. But that's not normal from where I come from. Um, and that's not normal compared to Florida. So just a moment, if you can in mind, think about Florida and what a rainstorm, I mean a, a gully washer in Florida would be like. I mean, it's just a downpour. It's like the heaven opens up and a big sheet of water just drops. Okay, multiply that several times and allow that to go nonstop for 40 days. Of course, there's no way our minds can comprehend that. But that's what was happening. The heavens were opening up and dropping great sheets of water down that the earth could not contain. The full force of God's judgment of rain lasted 40 days and nights. And it continued. Here's something I had not thought about before. After the 40 days, does it mean the rain completely stopped? And the reason I say that is because in chapter number 8, we're going to talk about here in a minute. When chapter 8 rolls around, we see that 150 day, days is when the rain stopped. So what I think happened, for 40 days, these massive sheets, intense rain happened. After 40 days, the intensity stopped. Doesn't mean the rain stopped. There might have been breaks in the rain. But the intense rain is not continuing during that time. Number 7 is a divine sealing, S-E-A-L-I-N-G. A divine sealing. Verse 13. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. 
I don't know why it does not list his son's wives' names. I think it's unfair. I'd like to know what their names are. One of the commentaries lists names that was put there. I don't know how accurate they are, but Josephus apparently uh, figured out somehow through some an antiquated um, uh, history books what their names were, but uh, it's not listed in the Bible. Letter A, the complete registry of flood survivors. I had the privilege of going to Branson here a number of years ago, and I went to the Titanic display. Have you been to Branson's Titanic display? It's awesome. I would do that again in a heartbeat. That was so neat. I spent one hour in one room just reading the different letters and different things in there. But they have registries in that of all the people who were on that Titanic. And then you can figure out who the survivors were. Registry for hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands, I forget, people that were on that Titanic. Well, here's the registry of the ark. You go to the wall, and there's this bronze plaque. There's eight names. Just eight names. There were only eight survivors. The complete list of survivors of the flood, a total of eight people. God was about to begin a new world of people through righteous Noah. For man, it would be his only do-over. Letter B, the number of flood casualties. We're not told what the population of the world was before the flood. We don't know. I don't know of anyone that knows for sure. One commentary, in fact, from Answers in Genesis, they gave you this, writes, if the growth rate in the pre-flood world was equal to the growth rate in 2000, there could have been about 750 million people at the time of the flood. However, given the extremely long lifespans prior to the flood, the growth rate could have been much higher. Increasing the rate by just a 10,000th would put the population at close to 4 billion at the time of the flood. We don't know, but there were a lot of people on the earth that perished in the flood. Letter C, an emphasis of every kind. We've talked about this. It's interesting, I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes the subjects keep coming back around. So we'll talk about something one week, and then a couple weeks later we talk about the same thing again. Why does God do that? Why do he keep repeating it over and over again? Another thing we're gonna talk about here in a moment, you'll see him repeat it uh, over and over again. Why is God repeating? Is he running out of things to say? <laughs> it's he's emphasizing these foundational truths over and over because of the attacks on his credibility. God is establishing this credible foundation of truth here in Genesis. Verse 14 and 15, they and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto, Noah and unto the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. God repeated his purpose to save representatives of each of the land animal family groups. He calls them kinds here. The passage refers to both, if you notice, fowls and birds. I thought... Birds were fowls. He uses both words. I checked it out, and it seems like the only difference between these two words is the size of the bird. So there were big birds, and there were petite little birds here. And that one, uh, the birds, 
suggest a petite little bird here. So it seems to be just a, a definition of size. The animals came under God's prompting to Noah into the ark in pairs, with the exception of the clean animals and birds, which came by what? How many? By sevens. Right. Animals came in pairs, by twos, but the clean animals and the birds came by sevens. Letter D. The animals came in pairs, a male and a female. Uh, verse 16a, and they that went in, went in, male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. We said today that had the same thing happened today, it would have been a mess. I can just imagine it would be a mess. But back then, it was a male and a female. They came by pairs. Number one, provision made for repopulating the earth. God said, I want the earth to be repopulated. How is he going to do it? Well, in order for it to be repopulated, he has to have pairs, males and females. He can't have two males, two females. The way he's going to repopulate it is by pairs. Once again, the Bible mentions the fact that God had commanded the animals to come to the ark by male and female. Provision was made for repopulating the earth. And number two, the animals obeyed God. They obeyed. I told you before that we humans are the only ones of his creatures that have ever dared disobey God. Not one animal has ever disobeyed God. Letter E. God shut and sealed the door. What a moment that must have been to be inside the ark and to have the door shut and sealed by God. Before that, number one, the door was open to all. Okay, let's just think for just a moment. We've got this massive, over 500-foot-long ark. It's got one entrance called a door. Only one way in, one way out. Up until this time, the door is wide open. I saw a picture of the ark at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. And there was a, a human standing there in front of the door, and the door towers way above, just massive doors, both this way and this way, very tall doors. Well, of course, well, the giraffes have to get through there somehow, and so they made these super tall, tall doors. Imagine the doors propped open. Up until God shut the door, who can come in the ark? Say that again for emphasis. Everyone. Everyone. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's that? Only for saved? The door is open. Okay. What are the qualifications? Now, we've got to think about this. The qualifications for getting in the ark. You have to be at least six feet tall, right? No. You have to be of a certain nationality. Education. You have to at least gone through high school to get into the ark, right? No. What are the qualifications? You said they had to be saved. How can they be saved? How is, according to this il illustration, how is the only way they could be saved? Get in the ark! Yeah, the only way you're going to be saved is to get in the ark. 
What are the qualifications for getting the ark? You got to get in. And what is that one thing you must do to get in? She said, believe. That's it. You mean you don't have to do a lot of works to get in the ark? But you got to believe, don't you? And anybody could. Oh, neat. I sat at the door and knocked and waited on that door. Yeah. It was just the neatest I'll thing. I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, the, the cool thing about it is anyone could have gone in the ark. All they had to do was believe. There's not one other thing they had to do. They didn't even have to help build the ark. They didn't have to sh- get the pigs on the ark. They didn't have to promise to clean up in the ark. They just had to get on the ark. With that in mind, the door is open. How many ended up getting on the ark? People. Eight. When the door shut. Once the door shut, and somebody realizes they made a horrible mistake, and they knock on the door, surely God's going to open the door, right? No. No. Noah and his sons had nothing to do with closing the door. It had been wide open for all the animals to enter, as well as Noah's family. There was sufficient room on the ark for others who wanted to be saved. Now, you've seen the ark. Did they talk at all about that, that there was plenty of room for people, other people, if they would have come in? Okay. That's what I figured. There's still room. Yeah. Number two, God, or once God shut the door, no one else could enter. We talked about this this afternoon. It's just conjecture. But once God shut the door, obviously nobody else can get in the ark. Right? We know that. The door is shut. He sealed it. Nobody else is getting in. But let's just conjecture for just a moment. Just thinking this through. What if somebody did repent at that time? I'm sorry? Well, let's just say, after the door is shut, at that moment, they recognize their error, and they come knocking on the door. It doesn't open, but they cry out to God for repentance. Would God have saved them? I don't mean in the ark. Would he have saved their soul? I think so. I think so which means that they could have perished physically and been saved spiritually. But the illustration is they had to be on the ark. Yes, definitely. It was great revival of tribulation. Gary, you're thinking. That's exactly right. And I had never thought about that aspect before this study. They possibly still could have been saved, though suffered the consequences. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Number three, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. The door is wide open today for anyone to enter. 
They got into the ark by faith. How do we get into heaven today? Through Jesus. Through, uh, what's that? Through faith. Same thing. Faith. That's the whole point of the ark illustration. You enter by faith. You are saved from destruction through faith. John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Number eight, a prevailing flood. Verse 17 and 18, and the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. When I read this, what I see is this massive, massive ark, 500-some feet long, 45 feet wide, 51 feet high, just massive. And I'm thinking, if I'd never, if I'd never seen it rain before, if I had never seen a big boat before, I see this enormous building there, and it's filled with all this weight. Do you think I'm going to believe that it's going to float? I don't think so. Now, they disagreed with me today, and you feel free to disagree with me. But I don't think they thought it would float. And they kept coming back and saying, but they were trees. They were wood. Of course they would float. But we know that. Why? We know that because we've seen it. But what if they hadn't seen it? Jeff? Well, sure. Iron boats float. It's the displacement that, that makes it work. But what if you lived before we had this knowledge of displacement here? And so the world is looking at this thing and says, no way that's getting off the ground, no way at all. Well, the Bible says it did. The Bible says the water's lifted it up. Here's this massive thing, and it's floating, just like God said it would. Letter A, the ark was lifted by the flood. For 40 days, the waters increased on the earth's surface. The increasing flood waters lifted the massive ark until it was floating freely in the water. Can you imagine what the first few hours inside that ark would have felt like? And settling where you're, where you're learning how to maneuver. Now, you're gonna, you might as well get used to it. You're going to be there a while. But for the first few hours, letter B, the waters conquered the earth. The waters conquered the earth, verse 19, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. The word prevailed suggests taking over by strength or mighty. Prevailed or the waters took over the earth. The earth was literally being taken over by powerful deluges of water. The waters continued in their powerful conquest until all the earth's surface was completely covered. Which leads me to letter C. All of the earth's surface was completely covered. Verse 20. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Well, first of all, number one, the great depth of water coverage. It says 15 cubits upward, the mountains were covered. So you go to the tallest mountains, 15 cubits above that is how high the waters got. Assuming these cubits were the shorter version or 18-inch version, 
we're talking about 22.5 feet of water. Well, imagine standing on the top of the highest mountain, and the water started coming up, and they kept going up, and now they're going up 22 and a half feet. Now, you suppose, you suppose you're going to survive that. 22 and a half feet above. The longer version, or the 20.4 inch version, suggests that they would have been 25 and a half feet above the tallest mountain. In other words, a lot of water was covering the earth at that time. But number two, these mountains the Bible talks about were probably what we would call hills. It's generally believed that the tall mountains, like our Rocky Mountain Ridge and the Himalayas, were made by the, the floods reshaping forces. Initially, there were no high mountains for the flood waters to cover, only varying degrees of hills. The word mountains in this passage, I looked it up, can be accurately translated hills. Hills. And here's a very good illustration. I love going across the Continental Divide. I forget, though, what, if you're going across uh, through uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, what, what's the elevation there? Everybody remember? What's it get up to? Is it, it's over 11,000, isn't it? I think it's over 11,000 feet high. What is it? 10,9? Let's say 11 just for fun. Okay? I say it is now 11,000 feet. The reason I say that is because of high school, I went to a college trip, and I was living in Longmont. We drove all the way to Bob Jones, South Carolina. We went across the eastern Continental Divide. And I was so excited because they said, the Continental Divide's coming up. Wow, that's awesome. We go over the Continental Divide. It was 2,000 feet. 2,000 adverse to 11,000. I said, these are just hills. What do they call them out there? They call them mountains. Yeah. So the point is, um, the, uh, they believe that they weren't massive mountains being covered. Number nine, a complete desolation. Verse 21, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and beast, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man. Letter A, God convincingly documented the creatures lost in the flood. First of all, all flesh died. God restates the various categories of creatures destroyed the flood. The fowls, the cattle, the beasts, creeping things, and every man. God wanted every coming generation to believe that this judgment was universal, completely washing away all flesh, not just part of it. All flesh died. Number two, all with the breath of life. All with the breath of life died, verse 22. And in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. See, what God is doing, he is simply saying the same thing in different ways. And uh, here he says, all flesh died. Verse 22, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. Same thing. Another way of describing all flesh is all in whose nostrils was the breath of life. Breath here comes from two words meaning puffs of wind or air. Puffs of wind or air. It's suggesting the imagery of God breathing into the nostrils of Adam, giving him life. Puffs of wind or air. Yes? 
Thank you very much. I feel better. Good, good. Number three, every living substance died. And every living substance, verse 23, was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, the creeping things, the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. Little phrase, living substance, suggests anything that has a standing. The idea here is referring to all creatures who had a standing in life. They were standing in life. They were living. This is simply another way of confirming the same repeated truth that all living creatures were destroyed in the flood. Are you getting the idea what God's trying to say? They all died. We would say they all died. But in today's court of law, they would say, well, we don't mean all. All doesn't mean all is what they would say. So God says, okay, we're going to slip it a different way. So you understand, in this category, all means all. And I'm coming every different way I can to prove to you that it was everything. Number four, man, cattle, creeping things, and the birds died. For yet another time, the list of creatures destroyed include the same group, man, cattle, creeping things, and the fowl of heaven. God is repeating it over and over so we'll get the idea. Letter B, the devil's relentless attacks on the flood. The devil's relentless attacks on the flood. Why does the devil care? What's the big deal whether or not people believe in the flood or not? I mean, really, what's the big deal? Somebody tell me. Okay. If the devil can get you not believe one part of the Bible, all of a sudden your foundation of truth for the whole Bible is undermined. Because if one thing is not true, I wonder if I can trust that. I wonder if I can trust that. I wonder if the Tower of Babel, I wonder if that really happened. I wonder if God really did create man in six days. I wonder, I wonder if all these things are really true. So from the very beginning, the devil has been attacking the flood. Uh, letter C, 150 days of the earth's makeover. <laughs> earth, the earth got a makeover. Verse 24, and the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Number one, the flood forcefully overcame the earth. The great force of the waters above and beneath continued for 150 days. The word prevailed, as used before, means to overcome by great strength. The waters prevailed, overtook the earth by its great strength for 150 days. Now understand, after 150 days, had the water receded? The answer is no. The great force of waters continued for 150 days. Number two. The earth's surface was completely reshaped by the flood. It was during these days the earth's surface was dramatically changed. For these five months, the earth shook and heaved under the pressures of the waters, creating massive earthquakes, sending out enormous tidal waves. As the ocean floor sank beneath the weight of the waters, the earth's surface was pushed, causing mountains to stretch into the sky. It's likely that at this time, the single, we talk about this, likely the single land mass was broken up 
and separated into the continents that we have today. And that is tonight's lesson. Amazing what happened during the flood. The only thing that is remotely comparable to the dynamics of the flood is creation itself. Incredible. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for your love, and thank you for giving us the book of Genesis. Lord, there are so many things that we don't know for sure, but one thing we do know is that you are an awesome creator. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness, thank you for your mercy, and thank you for your love. I pray, Lord, that you help us to apply the truths we learn from these teachings, and we'll thank you for it, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.